Good morning, folks. My name's Ron, and I'm, my pleasure to be to you the second reading. We're continuing in 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, a letter of encouragement, I believe, and uh, even today, I believe, those of us who believe. So it goes from 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 13. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Hi everyone, it is great to be here, and uh, if I haven't met you, my name's Pete Stacey, and uh, I'm looking around the room, I'm thinking, by the time about 50 kids come in here, into this message, it's going to be pretty cosy, isn't it? What a wonderful problem to have. My well, friends, what do you say to a brother or sister in Christ who's struggling? Perhaps you know someone like that, perhaps you are that person here this morning. What do you someone, say to someone who's spiritually tired, lost their mojo, feeling like they lack the energy or perhaps the gifts uh, they need? Perhaps someone who's overwhelmed by the challenges of Christian life or Christian leadership? Or someone who feels threatened or even fearful from the things that they're facing? They know they're swimming against the tide of the culture around them. Someone struggling to be brave in their faith. What would you say? In verse 1, Paul says, be strong. Sounds like the sort of thing that under six parents shout from the sideline of the footy field. You know, you got this little fighter. Be brave. Chin up, mate. Be strong. Or perhaps the pop psychology of some pop songs. I read this is a, a hit from uh, 2020 called Hero. Search for the hero inside yourself until you find the key to your life. That's the chorus, like that. But when Paul says, be strong, here in verse 1, he means something wonderfully different. The strength he talks about is not found by looking inside ourselves or trying to summon up some sort of special bravery for a moment in time. It's something far deeper, far stronger, far better, something far more permanent. Something we all need. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, 
let's ask God to help us as we look at his word. Dear Father, please help us see clearly what you are offering to us in your word. Help us to really want it. And help us to enjoy life with your answer to the strength we need each day as we trust and follow Jesus. In his name. Amen. Well, we're continuing our journey through Paul's second letter to Timothy. And the first chapter ended rather sadly with Paul grieved because many had deserted him in the province of Asia. One welcome exception was Anisiphorus in verses 16 to 8. And he was like a ray of light in the dark moral and spiritual landslide of the prevailing culture. Now Paul, he's thinking about Timothy, and he knew Timothy's circumstances. He knew that Timothy would be facing many of the same challenges that he faced when he was there. Perhaps even some of the same troublemakers themselves. Paul needed to be strong back in the day, and here, Paul knows Timothy needs to be really strong in this situation. What's more, Paul knew Timothy's personal weaknesses. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we read this verse in chapter 1. For the Spirit God give, gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, which suggests that Timothy may have been a, a naturally timid person, which describes a lot of people, doesn't it? And he was often physically sick as well. 1 Timothy chapter 5 says, uh, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy again, Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So what did Paul say to a dear friend who was in difficult circumstances, trying to be a leader, and lacked the personal strength that he needed, and often lacked the physical health that he needed? What is he saying? And maybe that describes how some of us feel today. Paul says in verse 1, You then, my son, beautiful family language, isn't it? You then, my son, be strong. How? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy is to find the resources for a courageous life and a courageous ministry, not in himself, but in Christ Jesus. Jesus and the grace that he gives us. Paul said this, something like this, to this effect, nearly 20 times in his two letters to Timothy. And I suspect we here need a lot of reminding of this as well. But what does he, exactly does he mean? We use words like grace a lot in church. What does it mean? Well, grace is God's kindness and favour. There's nothing that we've done to earn it. There's nothing that we've, we've done to deserve it. I remember as a kid, uh, my uncle was a sheep farmer. And uh, after shearing, he'd sort them out. The sheep come down the chute, he's got the gate, he's going, boom, 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 you know, sorting the good ones over here and the, the bad ones there out uh, the back gate. And, uh, you know, we've all turned away from the living God. We don't deserve his love or his kindness or his favour. Our sin means that, that we're out. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. To literally take the death penalty that we deserve. He took it for us. So that all who put their trust in Jesus can have their sin forgiven. Their guilt wiped away. 
this grace that is in Christ Jesus. Friends, it gives us great strength. We're not waiting and wondering, will God accept us? We know we are clean in the sight of the God who rules the universe because of Jesus. What wonderful security for the soul. What incredible strength. If God is for us, who can stand against us? What confidence that gives us to face the trials and challenges of each new day. That's why last chapter Paul told Timothy, uh, now that you've heard God's truth, keep it, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. In other words, let God's truth change and transform your whole being. The next thing he has to do is there in verse 2. Pass it on. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be able, uh, also be qualified to teach others. Just consider this verse for a moment. How many generations are in view here? Paul himself, as he teaches Timothy, who in turn is to teach reliable people who are qualified to teach others. Paul here is future-proofing the gospel. Think about it. If we teach someone about Jesus, the gospel spreads by addition and extends to one generation. But if we teach someone to teach others about Jesus, the gospel spreads by multiplication and extends to all generations. Jesus wants us to be disciple-making disciples. Now please don't get caught in that word qualified. Uh, studying theology can help, but you don't need a degree to talk about Jesus. What he does mean is the ability to hear and understand the details correctly and accurately retell them. Here's some uh, things that we don't want to do. You don't want to exaggerate the truth. Like, oh, now that I know Jesus, life is just perfect. I've got no more problems. You don't want to leave out the nasty bits, like talking about sin and God's judgment. Salvation makes no sense if you're not in danger. And don't be swayed from the truth by other ideas that are popular in our culture today. Like, God just wants us to do our best in life. Being good is good enough. That's what Paul uses the word reliable in this verse as well. Hear the truth. Keep the truth by living it. Guard the truth from wrong ideas. And pass it on by telling others. And when we do something really wonderful happens, and I've heard this from a, a number of SRE teachers. Who's an SRE teacher? Yeah, quite a few of you. Wonderful. We thank God for you. Um, be good to have more hands up as well. Just saying. Um, but but I've heard I've heard this from a lot of SRE teachers that as can I say it takes quite a bit of courage and strength to to be an SRE teacher or to have any conversation about Jesus with someone that uh, doesn't know him yet. Um, but when we do, we actually, in the process of telling us about Jesus, we remind ourselves of just how wonderful it is to know him. And what a, a wonderful guiding light for our path in life they are. 
and how he does change life so wonderfully and give hope beyond death. Oh, so many wonderful things. And, and what tends to happen is that actually we are filled with more courage and strength as we do this, as we pass it on. Now, here's the hard bit. Have you seen those T-shirts they, that say something like this? Eat, sleep, exercise, repeat. Yeah, have seen those ones? Uh, the hard bit, what's the hard bit out of those three? Four. Repeat. Yeah, oh, sleep, okay. <laughs> it depends how we feel. Yeah, so, so, so many people that I know, yeah, eat, sleep, work out, or, yeah, exercise, and um, be good for a day or two, perhaps a week even. That's that repeating, keeping it on going. That is just hard. What, uh, what we see in this point of the letter is that Paul's basically outlined Timothy's entire ministry for the gospel. Hear the truth, keep it, guard it, pass it on. Now you can go into more detail later in the letter, but that's basically it. Timothy's t-shirt might look a bit like this. Hear, teach, live, teach, repeat. There you go. Uh, you can tell that I just printed that over top of the t-shirt. <laughs> so in the rest of today's passage, Paul wants to inspire Timothy to persevere. Just keep going, repeat. No matter how hard things it might get, never give up. And friends, you don't need me to tell you, life can be hard sometimes. And he, he gives Timothy, in the rest of this little passage, he gives Timothy three pictures, two people, and one poem. It took me about five, five no, what, 25 minutes to get three people. Anyway, just saying. Let's start with the three pictures to inspire perseverance. And keep in mind that Paul taught Timothy to teach others, to teach others. So what Paul says to Timothy, he, or rather God, says to us as well. Let's just not kind of go, this is just for Timothy. This is for us. Firstly, the soldier, self-disciplined, not distracted by worldly pleasures, and wants to please the commanding officer. So we are to be self-disciplined. To focus on what we're supposed to be doing. Don't be distracted by sin and worldly pleasures that suck up our time. When we're in front of a computer, am I doing what I should be doing right now? Am I pleasing Jesus, my commanding officer? Find out what Jesus wants. He's the commanding officer and please him. Secondly, the athlete. I... Can I just admit, I love watching the highlights of the games. I just, they're outstanding. I compete at a very average level in surf lifesaving. Um, and I love the challenge of the waves, and, and, and it takes training and, and race experience to really improve. So when I see people at the absolute top of their game, I admire what they've achieved. It's, it's fantastic. But it's interesting the point Paul picks out. Not training hard or getting t- game time, but competing according to the rules. In the ancient Greek games, the winner was crowned with an evergreen wreath. Paul's point here is, no rules, no wreath. Paul is saying there is a right way to live the Christian life. We are saved by grace, not by a good life, but... We are consistently encouraged to honour Jesus by living a good life. That commends the gospel. 
We saw this clearly last week in verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Jesus is both our saviour for eternity. That's wonderful. But he's also our Lord of our present direction. And that's also wonderful. But I think Paul is addressing not only Timothy the Christian here, but also Timothy the leader. And saying that there are no shortcuts to effective ministry. The gospel of grace is not just a message of salvation, it's a model for service. Timothy must walk the walk of the gospel, not just talk it. At every level, personally and professionally, he must teach the truth and live the truth and guard the truth and persevere faithfully for life. Like Paul himself, who says a little bit later in this same letter, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me, not just an evergreen wreath, but the crown of righteousness. Friends, that's a crown worth living for. Thirdly, there's the farmer who works hard and trusts God for the outcome. And note the phrase, first to receive a share of the crops. What does he mean? Let me give you two possibilities. Firstly, those who work hard in understanding God's truth and obeying it and teaching others enjoy the fruit of intimacy with God and a holy life as they apply what they learn to their own life first. Not an easy life. Jesus suffered. Paul suffered. Timothy suffered. Everyone who lives for Jesus is going to suffer. But a life rich with God's love and power and joy and peace. And a great clarity in life because God's word makes sense of the world we live in. It's one of the things I absolutely love about being a Christian. God's word makes sense of the world that I'm in. And that's a wonderful harvest at a personal level. First to receive the share of the cross. Secondly, though, I think Paul's also referring to the joy of seeing people come to faith. If you share the gospel with us, you tell the good news about Jesus, you're the first to see the fruit. It's one of the greatest joys in life. Whether it's someone who you're sharing with for the first time, or someone you've been praying for for decades, when they come to Jesus, it's the most, it's the most exhilarating moment to share with another human being. The soldier who stops fighting before the battle is finished will never see the victory. The athlete who stops running before the race is over will never win the race. The farmer who stops working before the harvest is complete will never see the fruit of his cross. Paul says to Timothy, God says to all of us, persevere, persevere in the gospel of his grace. Friends, verse 7 makes me personally very grateful to all of you. I'm employed by your generosity. I get to obey verse 7 in a way that, quite frankly, not everyone can. Because I get to spend a lot of time reflecting and researching God's Word to understand what God is saying through Paul or, or any other book by the author. 
and praying for insight. And a challenge, of course, which uh, Sue Kwon, you remind me, I love you for this, to apply to me, myself before sharing it with others. It's so important for anyone that hangs up front. I often pray Luke 24, verse 45, where Jesus is teaching his disciples and it says, Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Isn't that a great prayer before you had the quiet time? Amen to that. Please pray it for those of us who preach up front and pray it for yourselves. It's my and John's privilege to reflect on God's word and personally apply it and then seek to explain it to you. But of course, verse 7 is for this, isn't it? So can I encourage you to pray Luke 24, 45 for yourself too? Set aside daily time to reflect on the nourishing word of God. And if you want helpful ideas, I've been struggling with this for 50 years. I didn't do it for the first couple of years of life. But for a while. Uh, so if you want ideas, just talk to John or myself or someone who you know has a vibrant uh, devotional life. Great to do. So Paul's given us three pictures to inspire us to persevere and follow Jesus with courage and conviction. Now he tells us about two people who have done this by suffering, <coughs> suffering greatly for God's wonderful plan. The first is in verse 8. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ. Raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel, he says. We've talked a lot about the gospel already in uh, this series, the last few weeks. But note the importance of Jesus' resurrection, not just his death. Friends, we have a living hope, as Peter says in his first chapter. And descendant from David highlights the continuity from the Old Testament. Jesus isn't God's plan B because the Old Testament failed. He's the centre of the Scriptures, the focus of God's one and only plan to save people. Even his name, Jesus Christ, literally just means chosen one who saves. And the second person is Paul himself. He says there in verse 9, I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Why does he suffer? Why does he persevere? Because God's word is not chained. Therefore I do everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul knows that God has chosen people to believe. Paul doesn't know who they are yet. That's why I just keep telling everyone the gospel. I wonder what challenges, I wonder what suffering uh, was experienced by the people who brought the gospel to you and to me. Perhaps there's someone that prayed for you for a long time before in his kindness God answered their prayers and brought you to faith. I wonder. That's why I asked you around morning tea, share how you came to know Jesus with each other. Such a good thing to do. Paul's message here is, be willing to suffer, or in the words of verse 3, join me with me in suffering, Paul says, so that others, perhaps family, friends, neighbours, teammates, school friends, fellow workers, may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, and together, then, we'll share the hope of eternal glory. Praise Jesus. Paul finishes with a poem. 
perhaps a creed or a song from the early church. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot uh, disown himself. Gospel-shaped lives have died to sin, have died to self. Now they enjoy living with Jesus as their ruler in life, and they're rescued, rescued for each other. Gospel-shaped people persevere, like Jesus and Paul, and they will reign with Jesus in heaven. That's an astonishing phrase. Just think about that. What a promise. Then there's a warning. In hostile circumstances, the believer is in danger of denying Jesus. So Paul echoes the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 10. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Friends, don't give up before the battle is won, before the race is over, before the harvest is ready. Persevere to the end, just like Jesus, just like Paul. The last line of the poem is a clarification. See, while God deals uh, with us according to our response to him, his character is in no way shaped by our character. God remains faithful, even if we're unfaithful. So friends, let me wrap up. Where does true strength come from? For life in an often confused and hurting world. It comes from hearing the truth of the gospel about Jesus. Personally living the gospel as we trust and follow Jesus. And by teaching the gospel to others. In our church we express it as speaking the good news. And remember the last bit. Remember the last bit. Repeat. We need to persevere. The gospel gives us clarity. It gives us strength. It gives us focus in all of the challenges of life. Because we have the very presence of God with us. And we have the promises of God in our hearts. In the words of one of my favourite songs of old, through the gospel, God gives us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Amen.